the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to the Situation Report, where we do our best every week to give you the information you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. My name is Jeremy Stallnecker, here with Chad Robichaux, and uh, excited about the topic today. This is one that um, we need to understand. Yes. But a lot of us don't understand. And yet we're seeing it play out in front of us, the separation of powers between states, local municipalities, and the federal government. Yeah, you know, while it's very important, probably more important time in our country than ever to understand uh, this topic, yeah. our education system has been robbed of it. Right. I mean, I, I look back right. now and I'm thinking, I wish I would have paid more attention right. to civics class, but at least <laughs> right. we had a civics class, right. at least we had American history. The ability to learn about it, yeah. Understand about our government and how our government functions, and uh, you know, our current you know, young generation has had that removed from, their, from the classrooms. Yeah. Uh, I think this last year, a lot of us have gotten more uh, civics education than probably in our entire lives. Yeah. Watching the election unfold and, yes. and kind of all of the wrangling around that and, and how things work. Um, but this yeah, is something we're being confronted with right now. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's definitely, we're learning more. I mean, it was just, what, two years ago that when we had a, congr- a congresswoman that didn't even know the branches of government. <laughs> we probably have some now, I would imagine. <laughs> but, yeah, now, now we become yeah. more educated. And, and, and <laughs> you know, this, this topic today, I think, speaks to what you and I have talked about a lot, is this idea that we need to be involved in local politics. And yet for so long, we said it just doesn't matter. Right. Well, now we can see in real time it, it does matter. Yeah. So it what matters. is the limits? Uh, what is the function of federalism in our country? I mean, I've heard people say... You know, especially like in two thousand in two thousand sixteen, you know, I'm not voting because my vote doesn't matter, yep. or yep. or I don't want to pick the lesser of two evils. I don't think you could say that. You could get away right. with saying that anymore. Right. Your vote matters. Uh, every American needs to participate because it certainly impacts our everyday lives. And your vote matters for you know every level of government. Yes. Yeah, not just the president. Not just the president. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're seeing it, especially at the local level, something that I never thought was as important before. Uh, voting for your, you know, your state legislators, yeah. your community representatives, your, right. your, your uh, school board. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, it all matters. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, there's a system set up to to make this work. Uh, the federalist system, um, which you and I certainly are not experts in. No, but we have a good guest, yeah. and uh, thankful that we could have back with us Corey Mills. Corey is a United States Army combat veteran, Fox News contributor, and contributes uh, political commentary in a number of places on a number of shows as well. Founder and CEO of Payson International. And Corey, man, so glad to have you on again. Thanks for jumping in on this conversation. I think we asked you yesterday, so appreciate you jumping in and, uh, and talking to us for a few minutes. No worries at all. No worries at all. So this, this question of federalism, we're going to get into some specific questions as we uh, start running through this. But... Um, for your own experience, when was it that you started to care about things like this? And I think all of us as adults can say, well, this is when we started to care about this. Uh, when did you start caring about that? And um, why is it important for people to understand how the government functions? Seems like a silly question, 
but a lot of us are just raising our heads out of the sand for the first time, maybe in our lives. Let's go to the fundamental reason why we're asking this. We're asking this question because civics has been taken out of education and they're not teaching our children how federalism, the actual powers, whether it's expressed or implied from federal state government works. You know, they're too busy trying to inundate our youth to build up a socialist or a leftist voter base by trying to introduce things like critical race theory and the 1619 project that highlights the negativity of the United States of America. So for going back to your question, for me, when things are to become, uh, I guess to use good terms, self-evident, yeah. is whenever we started seeing an actual attack on certain constitutional amendments, when we started seeing where people were trying to find loopholes from a partisanship, you know, kind of political gamesmanship alley to, you know, essentially modify things in their benefits, like a power grab to try and assert a, like a totalitarian based government or to try and usurp certain constitutional amendments by trying to, you know, get the uh, Supreme Court to weigh in that things that they're allowed to amend or modify uh, is approved. So like as an example, we know right now that the Democrats are trying to pack the courts. We know that they're trying to do that so they can sway things in their favor because the Supreme Court ultimately decides on constitutional rights or things that are tried, whether it's a violation. But going back to kind of what federalism is, what people have to understand is that the federal government and the state governments have two individual you know, amounts of power. State government can do anything that has to do with their laws, that has to do with their police, that has to do with their economy, that has to do basically within the broad spectrum of their state itself, so long as it does not violate any federal laws. The federal powers are really limited to those that basically adhere to constitutional liberties. So that's why they have the Congress to go forward and look at express power, which is the powers that are granted under the Constitution, and also the implied powers, which are things that is a branch off but cannot be modified and or impact the you know rules of our Constitution. So, you know, as someone who took an oath, who swore to defend our Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic, I think that it's a really important piece for us to understand federalism and what that means to protect our U.S. Constitution. That's good. Yeah, you you kind of answered part of my next question, but uh, you know, it's it's really important. I believe it's really important more now than ever for people to understand how our government actually works. But as you mentioned, uh, we have a younger generation that has had civics removed out of classroom curriculum. Uh, they don't understand. So, can you give a a kind of an overview of how the government should work. What are the separation of powers? How are the powers divided between state and federal and entity, entities like that? Well, again, kind of, kind of going back to it. So uh, our federal government is supposed to look at things like currency. They're supposed to look at things like war powers. They're supposed to look at things right. that deal with like commerce, for example. Um, these are all things that are well within the hands of the federal government to look at as far as legislation. And legislation should be based, again, on things that do not impinge or infringe upon constitutional liberties. When it comes to state rights, there really is a little bit more flexibility there. You know, governors and state legislators have the ability to imply or to put in certain express powers that are specific to that state. You know, they are there. Again, the Constitution makes it very clear that each state has a right to govern itself, and that's something that they have a right to do. So I think what people have to understand is, and why there's so much confusion right now, is because over decades of this kind of, you know, drawn division that's just grown and grown and festered and festered, there's always been a little bit of an overreach on federal government to impose certain things that violate state laws or that violate state freedoms that, you know, people like Governor DeSantis and Governor Abbott and others just refuse to allow. 
So, you know, it, this is this is a, the biggest thing that I would, I would say as a governing body would be is that the federal government is there to govern based on the rights and liberties and freedoms of our constitution. And they are to basically adhere to those various legislations that do not infringe upon. And the state is there to actually try to go ahead and look at their laws, look at their police force, look at their National Guard units, look at the things. Because people think that the National Guard belongs to the federal government. Hmm. It doesn't. Hmm. State guards actually belong to the governor, and they're there for different types of emergency responses within the state. Or if they so choose, they can actually send their National Guard to an area which has a you know crisis or disaster to try and help other states or try and help other uh, you know emergencies or disasters. So um, you know again, the reason this question is being asked, and I'm glad you're covering it, is because for so long there's been an overreach by federal government and and it fringe upon you know state rights. I uh, we we've talked about this a lot, Chad and I have, and we've talked to others about it, obviously, but. Um, I think one of the big lessons from last year was that we need to get involved in local politics. Uh, I mean, everything from our school boards to city government. And it's funny because before last year, I would have said, there's no way I'd ever want to be involved in city politics and none of it matters. And But it matters. I think we've seen that highlighted pretty clearly this last year. Um, one of the things that happened over the last year was that a lot of the policy, I don't know last year, the last term, President Trump's term, was that a lot of the policies that he would put forward um, were either brought into local courts or rejected by states and local governments. Uh, and, and, man, maybe more than at any time in American history, the states and local municipalities and governments were taking control of some of those things and rejecting what the federal government was doing. Um, now we see a new president, and he is legislating by executive order. And it's, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we could run down all of that. Um, Will he, in your opinion, encounter the same pushback from the states? And if so, what real power does a president have? I mean, he can sign a document. He can you know, sign an executive order. He can say this is going to be the case, but it's going to go through a process. How much power does a president like Joe Biden actually have to accomplish these things without going through a normal legislative process, given the separation of powers between state and federal government? Well, it's interesting, you know, if you look at Joe Biden's administration and what he's done, he's signed more executive orders in the first 100 days than right. any other president in right. history. This goes back to the same mentality that we saw under the Obama administration where he said, all I need is my pen, right. you know, when he was talking about how he makes decisions. So, again, yeah. what we're looking at is the Obama 2.0 model. So we already know that, you know, some of the things that he's trying to do is already going to have to be reviewed by the Supreme Court when it comes to packing courts and when it comes to all these other things that has to go through legislation can't be an executive order. Right. What they're trying to do, however, is with these executive orders and with the power they have in place is eliminate things like filibusters and eliminate things like electoral colleges, which is essentially a dim power grab. Each state can still challenge Joe Biden as long as it is not a federal legislation that impacts every single state. So the same thing that the president encountered President Trump encountered with regards to trying to set something in place in the state outright, rejecting it and forcing it to the courts or taking it to the appellate courts like the Ninth Circuit, things like right. this. That's still very much in play. And I think that Joe Biden will certainly see where the courts will have to weigh in on this. The question that we have to ask, however, is that how's the Dems manipulating the actual justice appointments to try and go ahead and favor their outcomes? So, for example, they know that with the current nine that sits on the Supreme Court, should it ever escalate to a Supreme Court, you know, status or judge uh, 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 jurisdiction, 
then you know they know they don't have the numbers right now. This is why they're trying to go ahead and work things in their benefit to start stacking the courts for a third team, you know, justices, uh, things like this. And again, you hear all this frivolous nonsense about, oh, you know, President Trump wrongfully or illegally appointed two justices. That's incorrect. Based on the Constitution, the president had every single right and authority as president of the United States to appoint his justices so long as the Senate approves. Again, that's why we have the checks and balance. That's why you have three individual branches, legislative, judicial, and executive. My biggest thing is, and this is why, and I was like you, I never wanted to get into politics with regards to entering the arena. But I remember like, you know, that it's one of those things where I was told in the military that if you're not willing to do anything about it, then making comments on it's just bitching. Yeah, true. So yeah. at the end of the day, we have to be willing to step and be that man in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt used to say, which is called the Citizens of the Republic speech. You know, we are going to be bloody, marred, and dusty, but it's better to know, you know, defeat and victory than just sit on the outside and, you know, basically armchair quarterback this. Right. So I entered the U.S. congressional race on April 1st for the Florida 7th District to challenge Democrat Stephanie Murphy. My reason for that is. I see that our checks and balances, all three individual, which again, our constitution was set up in such an incredible way by our framers to be the longest democracy that's ever existed. But what I'm seeing now is that when you have all three branches, which are equally compromised in some form or fashion, the greatest checks and balance in the world is the American people. Yep. I wanted to take a minute to let our audience know about the work that we do through an incredible veterans nonprofit called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Many of our nation's warriors struggle with the hardships of military service and reintegration back into civilian life. Often they leave broken homes in their aftermath and comprise one of the most at-risk groups for suicide, with over 20 veterans who take their lives every single day. Mighty Oaks tackles this critical issue with our faith-based peer-to-peer resiliency and recovery programs offered at no cost to our honored servicemen and women at beautiful ranches across the United States. Mighty Oaks has one of the highest success rates of any program available anywhere. Visit MightyOaksPrograms.org to learn more about how you can make a direct impact in the lives of our servicemen and women to help them find a new life purpose through hope in Christ. Again, that's MightyOaksPrograms.org. Witnessing the transformation that these men and women go through is absolutely incredible. There are no words to describe seeing warriors restored to the lives they were created to live, changing their legacies for eternity. Your support is needed now more than ever and will ensure that our programs are here for our warriors who are in desperate need. Again, the website is mightyoaksprograms.org. Yeah, the current current administration is beginning to make uh, you know its intentions pretty much pretty clearly known. Uh, what are some of the things you're seeing right now as as with this overreach, federal overreach that the states are pushing back on? Well, I think the first and most obvious is our southern border. I mean, you look yeah. at the crisis that's going on down there. You're looking at these catch and release programs. You're looking at how this violates Texas standards, Arizona's, others where they're being set free. You're looking at what was their real intent, though. Their real intent is this. Just to give you an idea of figures, right, because I like data points. They're spending about $16 million a week to house all of these illegals. They're spending $357 a day for 80,000 migrants for hotel rooms. Now, keep in mind, that was while our U.S. National Guard slept in the freezing cold in the winter in D.C. in a parking garage. Okay, They're giving them stimulus money paid for by taxpayers like you and I. 
So what they're trying to do is essentially weaponize the stimulus packages to buy votes. What they're trying to do is they don't want to close this border, even though we know there's two Yemenis who are just caught on the border who went on terrorist, terrorist watch list. We know that there's rape going on with children as young as nine to 10 years old who are having to take a plan B pill and they cross the border as payment for the coyotes. We know the human rights atrocities that are going on where babies were literally being dropped in the Rio Grande and just essentially left for dead. So. They don't want to stop all that because you've got 100,000 plus people who are crossing into the, the United States who they're going to try and essentially eliminate the filibuster, modify the Supreme, you know, to pack the courts, and they're going to give a pathway to citizenship expedited for these people to be Democratic voters, or they're going to go ahead and outlaw federal ID requirements for voting rights, which allows them to basically come to the forefront. So they're looking at majority vote. It's very obvious. They used to be covert. Now they're being very overt. They are allowing our, our borders to be flooded so they can actually build the next decade of Democrat voters and then eliminate uh, the electoral colleges so the only majority works. That way they can pack certain cities with massive numbers in these urban communities and essentially maintain power for the next two or three decades. So issues like that, and, and there are many others, um, and that is you know a pressing one. You mentioned uh, the court packing issue, and a lot of these things are, um, I think, saber rattling, to coin a phrase, but... Um, certainly, that's where they would like to go. And by they, we mean, you know, those on the left, as we would be more on the right. Um, far more, <laughs> far more on the right. I was going to um, say, I, I don't think that there is a, a moderate any longer. Right. Yeah. One side or the other. Yeah, the yeah. middle has been taken away from us, which is fine. At least now we know who we're playing for, right? So, and that's, <laughs> that's right. good. That's right. Um, but as we look at this, I, I think people like, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I think we're similar in this. We would all agree that... What we would really like to get back to is the original intent. <laughs> um, our founders had a plan. They did a really good job putting that together. They outlined it for us. And it hasn't been perfect. There have been ups and there have been downs. But we're at a place now where it feels like the system is so broken we can't get back. And I, I, don't, I don't believe that. Um, it's going to take people like you and others who are willing to step up and you know kind of right the ship. Um, but from a practical standpoint, when you look at all of what's happening and what's being said and, you know, all of it, uh, what are some steps that American people who care about our country and want to get back to what the founders intended, what are some practical steps that we can take to get there? First off, we need to remember what our framers actually created. And it's very clear. It says we are there to create a more perfect union. They knew there was going to be evolution within our democracy. They knew there'd be certain modifications or changes in how society interacts with one another. But we shouldn't lose the importance of small communities. We shouldn't continue to try and look at them as an outlier. I'm creating, you know, I'm creating this app, which should be done here in the next eight to 10 weeks. It's called We the People. The intent of this actual app is to go ahead and reassert the power to the people. We the people, not we the government. It allows to have accountability, accessibility, and transparency on our elected officials. And what it does, for example, for my race and how I'm using this app, which is going to be on an iOS platform, and you'll be able to find it in the marketplace and things like this to purchase. It geofences our individual district. It means you can't even try to manipulate this from outside because we know that our elections have been manipulated in some form or fashion. So what this does is it protects the integrity of the votes that are going to be placed into this app. It allows it to be geofenced. So you can only access it from within the district itself. It allows you to have to use your verification of your ID so that you can then go ahead and verify that you're a seventh district voter. And then it gives you my bio, my actual upcoming media, what my events are, what my calendar looks like. And there's a section called We the People. 
in We the People, when you click on that, it outlines the dates and times of every single upcoming legislation, whether that's state-based or whether that's U.S. congressional-based. It'll also give all the staffing points and the pros and cons that I would read, as well as for the link to the house.gov so that you could read the entire bill should you want to plunder through thousands of pages of, of nonsense. So right now it's about quantity over quality because they want to basically inundate folks right. to where they just tap yeah. out. So what this then does, there's a button on there that says, my voice counts. What they do then is they actually vote so that it can actually register an aggregated scoring and say 63.4% agree with this to 27.8%. Don't agree with this, et cetera. Oh. It is the job of the elected official to educate his constituency. He should be out there doing town hall meetings on a daily basis. He should realize where his check comes from, which is the American taxpayer. And he should basically ensure that he's not looking at partisanship, which is dividing our nation and causing these power grabs to go on, but return the power to the people themselves. What this app does is, is when I go to the floor, if I'm elected to the 7th District of Florida's congressional leader, it allows me to basically go to the floor and stop partisanship and say, hey, listen, I understand what the Republican colleagues are saying, but 63% of my constituency believes that I shouldn't vote for this bill for the following reasons. This then not only holds me accountable, but it also returns the power back to the people. Again, we have to remember, we call them congressmen or congresswomen. What they are is they're representatives. Yeah. They are representatives of their districts, of their constituency, <clears throat> and of the American people, for the people, and by the people. So we need to return that power back to the people and realize that we're the majority, the government is not the majority, and that'll actually start to right the ship so we can return this back to the constitutional rights and liberties that we all enjoy. Yeah. How different our country would be if everybody across both sides of the aisle yeah. could just get that. And uh, I feel like like there is there is a push for that. It seems like more Americans now, even those who would have considered themselves maybe left, but certainly moderate, yeah. are coming to the position where they understand what you're saying <laughs> for the first time. We need to start getting involved and holding people accountable. I think that's really important, which is awesome. Absolutely. And we need to understand that foreign policy decisions impact our small communities. They do. You know, that decision on the, on the, on the border, for example, that impacts small, you know, neighborhoods and communities like that in the seventh district. When you start having increases and in lower cost on methamphetamines, yeah. you start looking at how drugs are destroying the, the, you know, nuclear family. You start seeing where unconstitutional lockdowns ban religious, you know, worship or religious gatherings, but would allow a strip club or a Walmart right. to remain open. You know, this is where I think, you know, there's a lot of government overreach where they're trying to dictate how a state can or cannot safely and effectively operate. And this is why I'm so proud of Governor DeSantis down in Florida, because he opened up the entire state and still has a lower COVID, right. you know, outbreak than New York, which is under total, you know, totalitarian, you know, leadership by Cuomo. Yeah. yeah. So the American people are getting woken up, but it's not the woke culture, cancel culture. It's the woke American patriot who believes in our constitutional rights and liberties, who understand that we, the people, is what truly matters. And there needs to be more fighters in Congress who reinstate that and stop just enjoying their title, enjoying their paycheck, and enjoying their time with the media. Awesome. Yeah. Corey, thank you for, uh, man, for being on with us. Yeah, Where can people awesome. um, learn more about what you're doing right now, follow you, and uh, learn about the uh, We The People app? Yeah, so you can go to www.millsforflorida.com. That's my campaign website. It'll show you some of the stuff I was talking about with my app, which returns power to the people. Uh, to where if your elected official votes against the rights of its constituency, everyone should be alert to this. You shouldn't have to research accessibility, transparency, and accountability. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Corey. Corey Mills, thanks for being with yeah. us. As always, we'll have you back on, I hope. Yeah. <laughs>
Great to have Corey on again. So appreciate his perspective. And uh, certainly, and this is something we've talked about a lot, the fact that he's looking at what's happening and said, I need to get involved. And he's doing that. Um, thankful for that. Want to give you a few points from our conversation so that you can take this away with you. This is our situation report for today. First of all, we need to understand how our government works. This is a lesson all of us have been learning, and yet so few of us actually do understand how things are supposed to work. We're being confronted with this in real time right now. We need to figure it out, and thankfully we can. A system was set up. We need to understand how it functions and how it works so that we can get involved. The second part of this, and this is really important for us to understand, connected to the first point, is that the states are much more powerful than we realize. Our states have the ability to keep in check many of the overreaching powers of the federal government, which means we need to get involved at every level, local levels, state levels. And when those things are working together, the state and the federal government, we are at a place that we were intended to be by our framers. And then finally, these lessons are lessons that need to be taught to our kids. Uh, It is a shame and it's a reality that civics classes, U.S. history classes, uh, these places, these educational pursuits that used to teach children how things are supposed to function largely have been taken away. We need to get back to that. Stop dealing with things that don't matter and start teaching things that actually do to guide young people as they move forward. And that is your situation report for today. So grateful for Corey coming on with us. Thank you, Chad, for being here as well. We'll talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.